Ciao ragazzi, welcome along to the Interworldwide podcast. It's super early over here in Sydney, Australia. It's the middle of the day in the US. It's kind of late at night in Sweden, but hey, give that worldwide authenticity some um, some respect on that's name. I've got my regular right-hand man, Moment here. Mo, how you doing, bro? How are you, everyone? Good to see you again. And we've got a fantastic special guest today. It's the second time he's lent us his, uh, his great time on Interworldwide. Welcome, Sia, Eurosport News host and, you know, big interpersonality in the Twitter sphere, in the culture sphere, wherever you're looking. Sia, thanks for joining us, brother. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Anytime, man, anytime. We're going to jump straight into it because, you know, I want to use um, the time that we've got to speak about as many things as possible. Yo, crazy season, not just for Inter fans or Serie A fans or football fans pretty much. But, um, Sia, before we go into some specifics, Tell our, our listeners pretty much what, what were your prior expectations coming into this season, a season where Inter probably had the shortest time to prepare than anybody yeah. else in Serie A. Um, has the team exceeded your expectations? You know, on Inter Worldwide, we like to stay as grounded as possible, but, you know, we're, we're moving in the right direction, man, long story short. So how are you feeling overall about the season and pretty much where we're at at the moment, bro? Um, so I think before the season, I expected Inter to improve. From last season and um, many will say well Inter finished second last season in Serie A so they had to win I don't think um, few teams in football have to win I think it's PSG in in Paris in France have to win I think Bayern in Germany has to win I think Juve in Italy has to win because they have the biggest economy the biggest you know wages the biggest players uh, of course, uh, Juve with Pirlo has a much worse coach than Antonio Conte is, but still, those are the teams that have to win. Um, so, what I expected from Inter this season was to compete for uh, Serie A, because even though Inter finished one point of Juve last season, they didn't compete for the title. I mean, those, you know, Juve were like six, seven points before Inter when they won the league, and then Inter managed to tighten the gap you know when the league was already over so that's not competing for it i expected the team to compete i thought it was very important for inter to make it to the next stage in champions league and i think the biggest failure of this season not not because of you know the group was tough and i i, I honestly think inter did football wise their best football in champions league i mean the amount of chances they created the football yeah. they played, the few amount of chances they conceded. Um, the way game against Real Madrid was really, really good, but not good enough, and the team was eliminated. So seeing the economical and financial situation of all football, making it through the group was crucial for our teams. And to be honest, this was the easiest group Inter has had in the last three years. I mean, the last three years, Inter has been up again against Barca and Tottenham. Uh, Barca and Dortmund, and I think their Inter didn't deserve to make it on, you know. Yeah. But this year it was an easier group. They really should have made more of it, and I think that was a big failure uh, of this season. I also think it's impressive that the team managed to get back from that to go on the win streak that they have gone on now. Because that elimination, you know, many say, yeah, Inter got eliminated, so you know, that's why they're doing well. But that elimination could have killed any team. You know, for a team like Inter to go get eliminated by Shakhtar, you know, it's it's not good. So, yeah, that's what I'm very disappointed with. And for the Cup, I have to say, I am I think Inter did everything they could in the Cup because the, I wanted Inter to compete for it. I think Inter outplayed Juve at home but lost that game. And then you have to turn it around with Turin and, you know, the Juve defenders, when they are defending a result, they are tough guys. They are good football players. So I, I'd say I'm, I'm quite okay with the cup. I'm quite okay, not okay with the Champions League, depending on how the league finishes, because I don't like to do big talk before it's over. But I see a much improved team, especially in this half of the season, uh, men mentality wise, because. Um, this team um, beat Juventus at home, uh, not conceding more than two shots on goal, dominating the whole game, putting away the chances. That is 
extremely important. And I think that for me in the league is is the difference maker. So you know, I, I'm happy with some things and unhappy with some other things. Yeah, well said. I think um, there's a couple of significant moments prior to being, sorry, post being eliminated in the Champions League and that Juventus win was definitely one of them. That was probably the game where Conte was able to get his players to believe that this Scudetto was attainable. And then after that, we went on a run of games where, you know, we might have dropped a game here and there, but beating Milan in the derby was fantastic. And as I said last week, what I was more impressed with was um, the results against the likes of Parma, Atalanta, Torino and then Bologna in this short space of time. These are matches where Inter would not have been able to collect maximum points in a season beforehand. And it just goes to show that um, that step up in mentality as well. So I would agree there. Uh, let's move on a little bit uh, to our next fixture, which is Sassuolo. You know, we've just come off the back of a good win against Bologna. It was scrappy. It was rusty. It was dusty. The football was poor. But at the end of the day, it's all calculated results from here. And we're just trying to take massive leaps by getting these small wins. So we'll go over to you, Mo. The turnaround is pretty soon, man. It's already Tuesday morning here in Sydney, which means in uh, just under 48 hours, a little bit less, we'll be taking on Sassuolo. So I'll let you start, Mo. What are your initial thoughts going into the match, especially since I've woken up early this morning to see that Berardi and Caputo are actually in doubt as well? So without speaking too much about lineups, because, you know, we'll wait for Sky Sports and all of that fancy stuff. Um, what are your original thoughts going into it, Mo? Saswalo. I'm just going to say one thing. Uh, hmm. Five years ago, you're going into these games and you have the feeling of it's a, we might lose the game. Now, this second half of the season, as she, uh, she has said, it's more confident as fans. We're more confident going to games like this. This is what a big coach like Conte when he switches the squad's mentality from a team that is fighting, fighting really hard to a team that is confident in play. And it doesn't matter if they concede the play inside the game for the first 20 minutes or 30 minutes, it doesn't matter. You have this confidence that we might score at any time. I feel this in Inter, and I, I saw this, for example, in Guardiola's Barcelona in 2009, in the Real Madrid of Zidane, when you could, you'll win at some point. Now I see us being the big team, Juventus, Every time I talk to Juventus fans in the last nine years, they always say, we go to games with 80% chance that we're winning this game. As Inter fans, we never had this. And we know that we were always, that Pazza Inter, we might lose any game. But now, this is where I'm going to the game. I'm a little bit relaxed. I'm not that stressed about that game. I'm not, I'm, I know that I'm, I might jump off my couch, but I know that this team with the big mentality, the big coach, they might deliver at any moment. And there are small details that go your way when you're a big team. That's the tackle that a defender puts in, believing that I'm getting this tackle because I'm a good defender. A forward that puts a shot with a conviction, knowing that I'm going to score this one, and instead of some strikers with a lack of confidence. This is what we have now in our team, and that's due to the management and due to the squad being together. And as she has said, after the elimination, some squads, they fall. But some squads, they get together, and this is what happened to Inter. So I'm going to this game. doesn't matter who plays. Brozovic suspended. I don't care. I think we have a bigger chance to win than if you talk to me three years ago playing Sassuolo at this stage of the season. Oh, yeah, 100%. Sassuolo was one of many bogey teams which I didn't feel confident travelling to. You know, Even when we started doing this channel, I remember doing match reactions to losing, uh, I think it was 3-1 or 2-1 to Cagliari, uh, dropping two goal leads against Torino. Uh, let's not even talk about Parma. How many match reactions did we do where we just expected to drop points? And we did. So now going into these matches, knowing that three points is very viable and pretty much the most likely option, it's a good feeling, man. Going back to what you said about Brozovic being out, and um, I think Bastoni is out as well. Sia, how do you think we're going to go in in terms of lineup and who's going to replace him? Because, you know, there's starting to be a few whispers that Stefano Sensi might get a run in as a starting player. But, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, man. What do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure about Sensi. Um... <laughs> <laughs> this is this this is the type of the game that that it makes sense to play him right because um, Sassuolo are a bit similar to Inter. Uh, they play man man, so you know every guy has his guy, and you know they play very fluid football. And Inter has a hybrid of that because now the defense, you know, in the beginning of the season, Inter was playing a lot of man man, as you call it here in Europe. I don't know if it makes sense, but it basically means yeah, yeah. You, you follow your guy, right? So. 
but interchanged a bit. So the back three is more, you know, organized. While Sassuolo has very much of like, you know, creative fluidity in attack. Uh, I'm I'm not sure this is the match I, I like. So I think two teams that will play football. And there, of course, since is good. But there's going to be a lot of running, a lot of covering, a lot of, you know, taking your guy because if you lose him, you're going to lose. So I'd probably go with Gagliardini, Eriksen and, and Barella on the midfield. I think Barella looks a bit tired and that's normal because he's played so much. He played for Italy. After the national team break, you know, they're all Inter has always had problems after the national team break. Always. I, I can't I think Inter has won twice now after the break, and I think that's the first time in so long that it happens. Um but so so we have to consider these things. I think the lineup is really hard because I don't know how if the Vrai is fully recovered. You don't know with COVID what it does to physical level. The Ranocchio was good. Um, I don't know if Kolarov is is fully recovered. I don't know if Perisic is is fully recovered. You know, so there are a bit of question marks. Uh, what, what we do know is Grinjar should play, Handanovic should play, Hakimi should play. Um, so I think the doubts will probably be, you know, the Ranocchio or the Vrai and Kolarov in in the back three if he's fit. And more than that, you know, you have the Darmian, Young, or Persic. Depends on who's fit. Um, yeah. Lukaku, Lautaro, are they fit? Or because Sanchez looks very good, you know, so so he could be part of part of the starting eleven as well. I, I think the given ones, you know, Hakimi should be playing. Um, so it's really hard to say who will play, but I, I kind of feel confident, anyways. I think Sassuolo will cause problems for Inter. But I also think Inter will cause problems for Sassuolo. And um, yeah. the, you know, Sassuolo, even though they don't have Berardi or and Caputo, they have, you know, Raspadori, he's, he's a nice talent. They have Boga, he's a nice talent. You know, there are some p- players in, in that team that are very good. And it's, it's, you know, it's a tough game. But I think this team is... They're just grinding out wins. And I wouldn't be surprised if sooner or later a dip comes. But I think this kind of game, it was a long time since Inter won against Sassuolo, if I'm not mistaken. And last year, we came back from the break and had Bologna and Sassuolo. And that's where we lost the Scudetto, more or less. You know, we had a penalty at 1-0 against Bologna. Missed it and lost the game. Uh, Sassuolo, um, we dropped points. So... It's always going to be difficult, but I have a lot of confidence in, in this group. Uh, it's unfortunate, of course, that both Brozovic and Bastoni are gone, but I think Brozovic, he has a good break, at least. Bastoni, he's young. He, sh- he could have played again. So, difficult to yeah. know. It will be an even game, but I think Inter has everything to, to hurt as well. Yeah, I would agree. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, one of you, but Bastoni and Brozovic, I think they were flirting with their last yellow card for about three or four matches now. So if anything, I think it was just inevitable that it was going to come. Um, in terms of our record against our Swallow, yeah, see is right. Um, we got a good win against them this season, but my memory is still marred by leading 2-1 against them last season and Galliardini missing a tap-in from, you know, about three or four centimetres out. And then it was just chaos from there. But, you know... I'm pretty confident, as Sia said, that this team should be able to grind out results. And even if there was to be a dip at some point, even if we were to drop points hit um, in a couple of days' time, I'd be very confident in the team um, rebounding well against Cagliari anyway. Uh, just to finish off, Sassu- sorry? It's interesting with Sassuolo because I think that's where interseason turned around. Because that's yeah. when they changed the, the system from 3-4-1-2 in the way game and played 3-5-2. And everyone was back in position. Inter won comfortably 3-0 away. And I think we started, you know, to get the points and the wins and the stability from that game. So it's it's good to see what has happened uh, since then uh, and until now. Because I think that was the ninth round. So that has, you know, more or less um, until now changed the interseason. Yeah, yeah, fair point. Uh, Mo... 
we know that Dezerbi is going to play a more open game than Mihailovic was. Um, so we might actually get a couple of better chances on the break than we did against Bologna. So run us through a very quick uh, expectation. What do you think is going to happen? And your prediction, please, bro. I think we're just going to we're going to sit a little bit and then we're going to play counter because this is the best way to play a free-flowing team like Sassolo, which is, I think this is what Conti has done against teams like this. And I think Lukaku and I think Alexis will get a, uh, some playing time, maybe from the start, as she has said, because he's a very good option right now and maybe Lautaro will take a break. I'm expecting a 3-1 enter with, uh, I don't know who's going to score, but Lukaku will score. Yeah. He will score. And Sia, what's your prediction, man? How do you think the game's going to go? I'm going to go with a lot of goals, so 3-2. I, yeah, I, think, I think seeing that someone is going to be playing in an uncomfortable defense situ position is bound to happen, like things are bound to happen. And this uh, attack at the moment is very strong. So Lukaku and the guys, they will score goals. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to Alexis Sanchez coming off the bench again. Every time he warms up, I start to get excited, man, because he is he is just that little bit of quality that if you inject him into the game in the 60th, 65th minute, he's an absolute nightmare for everybody on the pitch to be able to control. Um, thanks. Thanks a lot for the yell. Yeah, sorry. The first time since he came that he is actually doing what you dream of him to do, because... Um, He's physically very good. He's technically very good. And he's been very good at creating chances before. But now he has that, you know, extra edge that you say, you know, if Lautaro or Lukaku are missing a game, I feel comfortable to start with Alexis. So I think he's in his best shape ever at Inter. And that's crucial for, for the season. Absolutely, man. Being able to inject that quality that's on par with the quality that you already have in your starting eleven, we've seen it over the years. This is the difference maker, not just in Italy, in every single league in the world. If you want to consistently go on to win a league title, you need to be able to look at your bench and have the reinforcements that are just as trustworthy as your starting eleven. Um, yeah, very good chat about Sassuolo. Let's hope that we get the three points because, to be honest, if we get the three points in this, man, I'll start to jump on the hype train to be honest, uh, full speed ahead. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Inter's financial status because over here in humble Sydney, Sia, all I really can do is wake up and read the news headlines every single day. And to say that they're biasly skewed every match day of the season or every day of the season would be an understatement. So, you know, I was going to speak to you a little bit about Inter's financial status and Basically, where you think the club's going in the direction with ownership, the latest sort of updates. And I wanted to also talk a bit about these headlines that keep coming up and resurfacing every day about us failing to pay wages, us failing to play, pay installments to certain clubs, even though Real Madrid comes out and officially debunks these headlines on their own account every now and then. Um, so, yeah, long story short, Sia, you know exactly what I'm talking about. What's Inter's current financial status and is there... Is there much reason to have almost a stroke and a heart attack as most Inter fans are having at the moment, bro? No, I wouldn't say so. I think, um, so obviously the ownership had a big liquidity problem, like cash flow problem. And to be honest, it's not only about them, it's about Inter as well. And Inter, as every football club, has irregular injections of cash flow, right? So before... Wages have been paid monthly, but cash has arrived, you know, every three months or every four months or every six months. You you don't really know when they arrive, but it's all been saved by, by the stadiums, right? Because the match day revenue keeps on ticking in. The, I think the, the COVID situation has, has showed how fragile that system is because uh, all of a sudden uh, football stood with their costs, but without their revenues. And, you know, broadcasters don't want to pay. Uh, so I think that was the main problem that came. Also, Inter was in at a, at a phase in, in their financial structure where they were taking giant steps towards the next level. You know, they, they had gone from being a club that, you know, tried to sign cheap and players to signing a big coach, signing a big striker, signing Christian Eriksen, signing... Hakimi, you know, so when you take the step to being that kind of club, you obviously rely on, you know, Champions League money, you know, um, 
stadium money, a lot of money. And when that's taken away from you, you obviously risk. I think there's been too much fuzz about the wages situation because all clubs, more or less in Italy and in, in Europe, have done a deal with their players to delay the paying of, of their wages. And, you know, um, I, I, I think, uh, of course, it's, it's not the best situation. But seeing how the financial status is, is in the world of football, I mean, we're talking about clubs like Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona, um, you know, the English clubs, you know, all clubs are struggling. So it's not an inter problem. And so um, in, I think the biggest problem for Inter has been the loans because Inter has had loans uh, that cost a lot, that are expensive that are expiring, that you need to renew. And that is, of course, a financial burden for club. So that's a situation that we need to keep our eyes on. And that's the situation that the ownership is having trouble with when they can't, you know, export cash from China as they maybe would have wanted to. And that's probably why they are looking for a minority owner, because it would could lead to a cash injection into the club. So it seems that the situation of the ownership has become better because they've sold off some of their shares to the state. Of course, you'd, you'd probably prefer to not sell, right? But mm -hmm. since that happened, it's freed some some uh, liquidity, which probably gives you know the owner uh, more calm. And that also means the club is more calm. I, I don't, I think, you know, just a month ago, I felt like I was reading about a takeover every day. And yeah. now I'm not reading anything anymore. So I think some things have calmed down. And uh, I, I'm, I'm quite interested in seeing how it turns out. Because from almost thinking it was guaranteed Suning would be out, uh, I'm not sure that's the case anymore. And I obviously think that it's in their interest to wait because if Inter would go on to win, you know, they'd be guaranteed the first spot in Champions League. They'd be guaranteed the, you know, new brand launch. You know, they have a stadium project coming. It's not a good time to sell Inter now. But yeah. if they want the free 30%, uh, they probably will sell, you know, it's the Lion Rock shares. Uh, which is, of course, another company, but is more or less controlled by Suning. So we'll see what happens initially with the 30%, and then uh, in the future we'll, we'll see what happens further on. Because, you know, it's a big investment to make, and not many companies would want to be a minority owner. So there's a lot of ifs and buts, but I, I honestly feel quite calm and if I, I kind of like the fact that these players are delivering so well when they might not get paid it's it's a bit ironic but obviously yeah. I just blame Suning for being so quiet you know and allowing people to speculate so much I really think that damages the club yeah I would have to agree with that there from what it looks like from my perspective it's that you know Stephen Jung this was his baby this was his project he was nowhere near ready to let go of it yet and the liquidity problem just hit him like a ton of bricks and I think he's doing everything he can to maintain the stability of the club until he gets that cash injection until he wins that uh, elusive a, first prize yeah he's, he's a, you know Steve, I, I like Steven, and I also think that he cares a lot about Inter, but, you know, that daddy is the boss in that family. So when mm -hmm. daddy says it, you know, you're not playing with this toy anymore, it's over. <laughs> that, yeah. And that's, you know, daddy, when, when the Chinese government tells daddy that it's enough with football now, it, it's that's what it is. <laughs> you know, it's not a joke. So, so that's the thing. I, I, I really think and I really believe that the, the Zhang family really were serious about Inter. And I really think that they really wanted to use Inter to expand Suning's plans, to expand them their brand into Europe, to work tightly with Italy. You know, they have a lot of cooperations. But I think the virus and the new five-year plan from the Chinese government has just changed things. I, th I still think Inter is relevant, 
for Suning, but I don't know how relevant they are. And I think the, if the answer to that question is Inter, Suning still needs Inter to expand their core business, then there's a future with them. If they think that's not the case, they will sell. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, Mo, brother, anything to add about the financial situation um, before we move on? Uh, also, we might as well talk for just a couple of minutes about the whole logo change because we kind of forgot to mention it in our last video and I saw a couple of people comment going, why didn't you refer to the logo? I'm like, man, I think, I think everyone already covered it. That's why. But... To be honest, Mo, what, what's your reaction to the new logo? I actually don't find it to be half bad. Um, I did read somewhere that, it, you know, we haven't actually changed the club crest in any way, shape or form. This is just a marketable sort of logo in order to shift the sort of image of the club into a more minimalistic direction. So, Mo, what was your reaction to that? And then we'll, we'll touch on it with Sia as well before we move on to the final part of the pod. I, I like the new logo. To, for, to me, it's uh, a representation of the club. It's just a... Uh same colors and it's simpler and it's moved to the new modern direction and uh, with the inter being now the valuation of the brand worldwide is much much bigger you will need to move in the same direction where everybody's moving and this is what inter did is is it that different from the old one probably yes uh, is it gonna change the whole brand maybe but i don't think so i think it's just treat it as is it's just a logo when they did uh, not for everyone, it was just a banner. But the Inter is known more now in the world that this uh, logo is just a representation of the club. But the actual brand itself is just the same. The same as Inter. I know fans are going crazy about like on Twitter. It's just nuts the amount of uh, negative. But we've seen this from the Juventus fans when they changed their uh, logo as well. Everybody was like, oh, we don't like this. We want the old, but people or opposed change. It's known everywhere in the world, right? They'll get used to it. But I think this one, in my opinion, will put Inter even more on the map because our valuation is going through the roof, winning the Scudetto. And I think if we get first uh, in the first part of Champions League next year, and if we advance, hopefully, it will get us in the next level and we needed something different. And this is what they presented. And I. I think we should back the club. We, we shouldn't be as fans because we are the face, right? It's Twitter, it's all the news, it's everybody. This is where people get their feedback and that's it. This is, I think we should just back the club instead of the negative feedback all the time. Fair call. Sia, what was your initial reaction and what are your thoughts on the logo change, bro? Um, I'm, I'm quite fine with the, with the new logo. I thought I'd be less fine. Um, I, I kind of look at the flag behind you and I, I really think the modern logo is beautiful. I think it's uh, very inter, very much, very nice, very clear. I miss some of the golden details in the new logo. Yes. My biggest problem with the new logo is that the base logo, you know, the one that we actually like, the go-to logo is uglier than all of the you know mock-ups with the new colors with the merch i you know I've, I've seen the all blue logo it looks fantastic i've seen the all gold logo looks fantastic i've seen the black and yellow logo looks amazing but then i've seen uh you know the the logo itself and i think it's the worst version and, and i kind of have a problem with with that other than that i think i think it's a good step and i think it's you know, I was, I was afraid of it becoming like Juve's logo, and I think yeah. that's horrible because I know you guys. Uh, you know, in in Europe, we are very forward leaning, but we like our football Stone Age. Uh, we like our football non-modern, not moving forward, not Americanized, not like the basketball or you know American football. You know, franchises, the you know the baseball teams. We we, we really hate that thing. But I think the Inter logo is different. Uh, it's minimalistic, but still not as minimalistic as the worst ones I've seen. Um, I think it can be adapted, and I've I'm kind of hoping uh, because I, I don't I'm I'm too you know um, superstitious to talk about the S word yet. But yeah. uh, um, 
you know, a golden logo being launched in May sounds like it could be a very nice thing. But uh, let's not yeah. go there yet. 100%, man. We're conserving all of our energy for now. So let's let's talk a little bit more relaxed and chat some shit for the last five minutes because regardless of how Inter is performing at the moment, man, there are a couple of sides that need to look at their own bedroom. And let's talk a little bit about our main rivals and just how you think the rest of the Serie A season is going to pan out, bro. So for me personally, man, the way Juventus have performed this season, I, I did not expect this whatsoever. I'm the type of Inter fan that thinks even if Juventus don't win the game, the result can still change on the team bus on the way home. Um, that's how that's how much it needs to take for me to see Juventus fall. But overall, man, what are your thoughts on their season under Pillow, their drop, and where do you think they need to go to improve next season, man? Do they need to get rid of Ronaldo? Do they need to sacrifice Dybala? Because they can't keep both. You know, I dare say we're never going to see it in the media as much as we see it against Inter. But their book situation is far from healthy as well. They're going to have to make some sacrifices and they've made some really poor Mercato decisions in the last two years. So overall, see your perception of Juventus and this season and where they're going to go. I think everything started going badly for Juve when they fired Marotta. Um, I, in the beginning, of course, you know, uh, Paratici and the guys, they took a lot of credit for what was Marotta's work. But we, we can't forget that Juve was a team that was easily winning Scudetti. They had two European Champions League finals in two years uh, or four years, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. So two, I think two in four years with, with uh, Allegri. Um, you know, they were they had a financial situation that let them buy big players, big names, young players. You know, they went in the right step with the Licht, for example. Uh, they could do a lot of big transfers. And I, 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 I see where they wanted to go with Ronaldo because Juve is a very... Juve feels like a big team, right, for us who follow Italian football. But Juve has always been a very Italian team and they have always been very hard to sell internationally worldwide out of a marketing and branding perspective because you know they've never been like milan they won seven champions league titles they have a huge history they have a huge fan base they are big known in the world they've had many stars many big players in the 90s in the 2000s and you know inter didn't win as much but you know inter had r9 inter had adriano jorka f you know inter had uh mateus inter had a lot of big names, big players and big brand. They had Moratti, who was one of the first to travel to China, you know. Juve has always been a very Italian team. So when they signed Ronaldo, they probably didn't do it only for the sporting reasons. They probably did it for, for a marketing point of view that they'll see the results of in the coming 10 years, right? Yeah. But in a sporting perspective, just to give you an example, the wages that Ronaldo has is, you know, uh, it's like having... Um, just to give you an example, it's like signing four or five Lukaku. So, wow. you know, you know, uh, he's on 30 million net. Lukaku is on what, 7.5. Lukaku's transfer is what, you know, 60, 70, 80 millions. They paid 100 millions for Ronaldo, but, you know, it's the wages ticking. So they threw that situation away to sign Ronaldo. And if they would have won the Champions League or made a semi final, made a final, no one would question that. But now they've put themselves in a situation where they've been knocked out by Lyon, Ajax and Porto. That's not good enough. And it's not really Ronaldo's fault because the guy has been performing. And this year, I just think with Sarri, they had a coach. They had a guy who, who knew what he was doing. And even though Sarri didn't have anywhere near the material that he'd need to play his football because his Napoli and his Chelsea were very good sides. Um, he was a coach. Pirlo yeah. isn't a coach. I, I'm like, you know, Pirlo isn't a coach. Uh, he, he's, was, he was a fantastic player. Um, he probably can have a good future as a coach, right? But he isn't a coach. And if I was Juve, um, I'd probably have sacked him a month ago because I think they are risking to miss the Champions League. And you know, if you do that with Ronaldo, it's a big problem. Um, even though Juve usually finds ways to, you know, 
sell and buy players with Genoa or Udinese or Sassuolo to make the plus in the books that they need. Um, you know, the financial situation of missing out on CL is very, very bad. And yeah. I honestly think that Juve, even though they've been unlucky this year with COVID and injuries and stuff like that, I think they have the best squad in Serie A. You know, mm -hmm. if you look at their team. So they have Chiellini and Bonucci, and, but they also have the Licht. They have Danilo, they have Alexandro, they have Chiesa, they have Morata, Kulusevski, um, Ronaldo, you know, they have Bernardeschi. Not, you know, I don't like Bernardeschi like that, but it's still for Serie A, nobody has the squad. They have a really bad midfield, but yeah. that's because of them, because they went on signing free transfers, you know, Ramsey, Rabiot. Uh, Arthur came in for Pjanic, you know, just to make plus Valenza. So the choices they've made has been paying high wages and agent fees instead of signing good players. And it's coming back to bite them. Because now you look at Milan and you see Kessi and Benacer and Tonali, it's a better midfield than Juve comes up with, right? You see Inter, uh, you have Brozovic, Barella, Vidal, you have Eriksen, it's a better midfield. You see Napoli. Zielinski, Fabian Ruiz, you know, Roma even maybe. So Atalanta, you know, there are like six or seven teams that have better midfielders than Juve and that's not good enough. So I think they, they have thrown away some because when Inter won the treble right, um, every, everything stayed as it was. Yeah. Because Morati is Morati, you know, he was the biggest fan and a fan would never kick out Diego Milito the day after the treble right. But Juve, when they went to the first Champions League final, they said goodbye to Pirlo, goodbye to Tevez, new players, we have to refresh, new stuff coming in, new stuff happening. So they were so competent, they were so good. They have wasted a five-year advantage in, in two years. Yes. And that's not good enough. And, yep. you know, of course, as Inter fan, I enjoy that. But if you look out, out of a football perspective, it's shameful what these guys have done because they were a model out of money, quality, competence, the Italian, you know, uh, backbone of the team. Inter has more Italian players than Juve now. Yeah. I mean, they've lost everything. They've lost their identity. They've lost their economy. They've lost the balance. And now they have a Cristiano Ronaldo in the team that in COVID time, who's going to pay him 30 million net euros? Who's going to pay him? hundred millions to sign him you know it, it nobody can do that kind of signing now so it's and you know he's not going to be happy because his teammates aren't good enough it's yeah you know, i love kulusevsky because he's swedish but he's a 20 year old boy i love him yeah. you know i like mckinney as a player but he's also a 20 year old boy you know kieza he's 20 something as well so he's just in the middle of a lot of young players and the old guys aren't as as good as they were so it's a very bad situation for you and for Cristiano. Yeah, I want to ask you something. Uh, if, as an Inter fan, but also as a Serie A fan, and like this is the work we do, and this is, would you rather have UV in the Champions League to represent the Serie A, or would you rather them not be in the Champions League? As as an Inter fan, first maybe Serie A second. I don't know which one is first, but what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's difficult to, uh, of course as an inter fan you uh, you never want Juventus to do well hey, as a Serie A, I, I, I'm I so I, I don't really need to hide that because I've been very clear that when it comes to Europe you know Atalanta if they go to quarterfinal I'm fine with it but if someone asks me do you want them to win the Champions League obviously no absolutely not I don't want any team in Europe to do well except inter but um, like that, if because I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think Syria is represented by how their teams do in the European competitions. I think that only talks for the individual quality of the club. So I think when Juventus went to the Champions League finals, it wasn't because Syria was good. It wasn't because Juve was good. Yeah, you know. So. And I've, I've been con consistent with that. So now that everyone is saying, yeah, Serie A is bad because, you know, Inter was knocked out and Roma was knocked out and everyone was knocked out. I, I don't think so. 
I mean, I, I, I think Italian football is worse than it was for a long time. But this year and last two years, I think the league is becoming better. Um, but so out of that point of view, I, I don't really care. Um, I, I want the teams that deserve to go to Champions League with their table place go there. Uh, and that's going to be down to the table. Um, so if you will miss Champions League, that's what they deserve. And the team that goes to Champions League deserve to be there. And I will probably hope that they proceed from the group. But I don't want them to win because I want Inter to win. Yeah, exactly right, man. All right. Well, pretty much let's piggyback on that and just move on to one more thing, which is pretty much the Champions League places in Serie A. And we're going to go back to see. I know we're throwing everything onto you, but that's because Mo and I have been hogging the camera on this channel for the last two weeks. And we give our thoughts once every couple of days. So... It's, it's getting tight, man. It's getting tight, bro. And I'm, I'm already licking my fingers at the prospect of Napoli getting three points against Juventus in a couple of days' time. But looking at how close and compact this is, Sia, who, who would you say is your prediction to go through and finish up on the Champions League places and maybe touch a little bit on Milan and how their season's been for you? And did you expect them to be able to carry on in this fashion? Because, you know, I think everyone was impressed with their start of the season. But And I hold my hand up. I've never bought into this whole, oh, Juventus are the real enemy. Milan are just our little cousins. No, no, no. We've, I've got two enemies, man. One of them is black and white. The other one is red and black. And I, I've always said that from the start of my life. I just hate one a little bit more than the other. But for I'm still very impressed with the way that Milan's been able to just stay in that curve because with the amount of injuries and how they've been hit hard, I, I could have seen Pioli losing seven out of nine games in the last three months, but he didn't. So overall, uh, Sia, your thoughts on Milan and how do you think the top four is going to finalise itself, man? Um, I, I think Milan has had uh, a season that's been very much better than anyone could have expected. I mean, I think the Milan fans probably were the only ones who expected it because they were playing so well after the COVID break. And, you know, I, I was one of the first that thought that, you know, this COVID football isn't football because, you know, we're playing, everyone was playing games every three days. And of course, that will give an advantage to the top teams, right? Because so one of the, one of the negative aspects, right? Negative of being a top team is that you can usually have Champions League or Europa League or Cup and face teams like you know some Toria Sassuolo that have rested one week and they'll just run over you but after COVID after the break every team like was playing every three days so Inter obviously has a bigger squad than than Sassuolo after the break now Inter didn't win that game but you guys understand the point so yeah. I really didn't think it was going to last for Milan and I think the first half of their season was incredible i think they were playing good football positive football um, they looked very fluid they looked very good physically they looked like they were creating a lot of dangerous chances you know they were so quick in counter um all of their individual players you know jala noglu was disappointing last season's um um, Kessi, um, you know, Zlatan, uh, all, they showed all their qualities at once. And I think Ibra installed the mentality in this group. Um, yeah. And I think it took them really far, but they also had a tough season, long season, because they started, you know, early with the Europa League qualifiers. They had a preseason in different from Inter, has to be mentioned. Uh, Yep. And then uh, I think they were in it for so long. I think Zlatan's injury in November made a big difference for them. Because even though in the beginning they were managing to do well without him, um, in the longer run, he's the one that makes the difference in that team. Um, he's the guy who scores the goals, who invents the goals, who wins the duels, uh, who's, you know, the, the, the leader, he's not the captain, but he's the leader. Um, so seeing all of the problems they had, they are having a very impressive season. Um, I, I consider Juve uh, Inter's main competitor for the Scudetto. The table today says something else. It says that Milan should be considered as well. But 
the question is is if Milan now will be scared to look back at the teams coming at them or if they still have the courage to look forward um i think the coming two or three games will 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 uh, decide that right because Milan faces Juve they face Atalanta and Lazio as well I'm pretty sure straight afterwards yeah so they have you know they have the uh, Roma as well well wow. so, no they they face Roma quite so so they have they have tough games remaining against the teams that they are battling uh, for this place and I think that Atalanta and Napoli are taking win after win after win so uh, you know I'd say Milan's season is by far better than anyone could have expected but if they go on to miss Champions League that's not going to be worth anything so it's very important for them very important for them to get Champions League because then they'll get their reward for how well they were doing and you know if you get the Champions League you get the money you get the players who want to come to you you get the current players you know Donnarumma guy wants to play Champions League you know Theo Hernandez man he will want to play the Champions League because yeah. you know Zlatan is 39 years old so and he's done what he can do you know at top level I don't think he you know thinks yeah I can be off better in another club but you know the young guys the guys like Donnarumma, the guys like Teo Hernandez, the guys like Kessie, I think those guys really want to play the Champions League. And if they get that, it means money comes in, it means they can attract players, it means that they can have a whole nother reality. And, you know, when the stadiums open up, it's big money coming in. So it's crucial for them because otherwise it'll be, you know, yeah, you guys had a six months good. And then you didn't make the Champions League, and that you know would 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 kill any team. So yeah. it's crucial for them. And as things are looking, you know, as things have been looking for the whole season, if you look at the, like advanced data and the stats that are there, Milan has been performing as a fifth or sixth place team, and the difference has been made by Zlatan and the great amount of penalties they have had. And I I am the first to say that I think the penalties you know 15 out of 16 have been correct they have created good enough situations to get penalties it's not a criticism towards them but it's made a huge difference and you know that's so if you look at the like chance production and you know the offensive play and the levels at milan they are currently behind some teams but they are at the place in the table you know that it should mathematically soon mean the Champions League spot. Uh, but if it doesn't, I am I would be worried as a Milan fan because, you know, a lot of players, men mentality-wise, it would probably drain them. Yeah. I honestly think if they were to miss out on the Champions League, man, it would knock the absolute wind out of all of those players and the club in general. They might be looking at re reinstating that proposed project that was meant to be there what a year and a half ago or so because as you said Sia to have that sort of start to the season and then to miss out on the primary objective altogether oh man I'd hate to be a Milan fan at the end of this season if yeah. that happened because the, the players are human right they're like the fans and when if you go from you know a Scudetto battle let's say like Inter last year you go from the Scudetto battle to finishing second you play Europa League final season can be seen as quite good anyways but if you go from a scudetto battle to be okay with a second place in milan's case let's say this season nobody thought they'd be top four probably i didn't think they would do top four me um, either so if you go from that to finish second you're going to go into the next season thinking we can win it you know and that was what was important with inter finishing second last year the belief of you know if we improve a bit we can win it because then if you know inter goes far in the champions league or juve keeps messing up you know you can win the league but if you go from yeah we'll fight from the for the scudetto to okay we'll fight for the champions league to go into the europa league again it's a disaster mentality wise yeah 100 percent. all right mo it's pretty much time to wrap this up but any last words um basically regarding anything that sia just mentioned or that we've just spoken about mo no i just think you know i'm not going to make champions league 
<laughs> I, I, looked oh, at the, I looked at the schedule and I looked at their fixtures and I think they have the toughest ones. They're playing Atalanta, Juve, away, and I don't think they have it in them to win these games. And, and Lazio, Lazio would want to beat them after the last game they played that Milan won oh. in the last minute, you know? I think the one that Inzaghi threw away with his substitutions, right? I think I think Lazio really felt that one because they felt yeah. probably they were better and probably let them into the game. And you know, I think I think Lazio and Atalanta as well they have a bit of a grudge against Milan. I, I really don't understand why, but I think those two teams. But I think today the table is a bit more complicated because. For example, in the weekend, Milan faces Parma and Inter faces Cagliari, and you'll see, you'll say, you know, it's the bottom teams; it should be easy. But those are the teams that fight for survival, and yeah. those teams will give you hell. I mean, you know, they will defend with eleven men, they will waste time, they will do set pieces, they will do elbows, yellow cards. They'll, you know, they make your life hell. So those games are very hard now, you know. So that's, you know, if if we look at a month from now, you probably might face some team that's already eliminated or, you know, some team that's not fighting for anything. And, you know, without fans, there's hard to motivate yourself. But like Parma in the weekend for, for Milan and Cagliari for Inter will be tough because those teams will, will just fight to the death to get one point. You know, Sassuolo, Inter, I'm not saying it's an easy game because, of course, Sassuolo is a better team. But Sassuolo... They're not fighting for anything. They don't have the yeah. desperation. They just Absolutely. want to play football, that cause an upset, get a good result, yeah. you know, have a good time with the guys. But they're not having, you know, the greater good spirit. I want to win this because I have to go to Europe. So the, yeah. it's a very, very difficult schedule that's awaiting. But I think if Ibra is in shape, uh, yeah. he's going to resolve that. He's that X factor, man, that last little bit of motivation that convinces the rest of the boys, oi, we're here to play and we're here to win. Don't forget that. You know, this isn't all fun and games. But, you know, that's where, you know, I see a mention, this whole Conte effect of having him in the dressing room, this manager, this coach, he, he is the difference maker. And that's why we'll go into the match against Sassuolo looking to go hell for leather to get the three points, whereas I'm hoping that Dezebi and his men are just happy to have a fun day out on the park, <laughs> pretty much, as Sia was just saying. Um, guys, we're going to wrap this up. We've gone a little longer than expected, but that's all well and good. So I'd just like to thank Mo for coming on into Worldwide again. Thanks, bro. Thank you. All good. And Sia, thank you generously for your time from Sweden, my friend. It's good to chat with you. And um, yeah, we'll keep an eye out and chat soon. Yes, yeah. Thank I have you very one much. Battery, so if it dies, you guys know why. I'm not rude. I'm just having a computer yeah. that... <laughs> <laughs> no worries, man. Thanks again. And from all of us here at Inter Worldwide, Forza Inter. Ciao, ragazzi.